Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Mina Kim. Coming up on Forum, information is good, knowledge is power. Those claims sound self-evidently true, but Brookings fellow and author Shadi Hamid asks, what if they aren't? In his recent essay for The Atlantic called You're Better Off Not Knowing, Hamid explores the research suggesting that being aware of news and events we cannot control can be bad for our well-being even our relationships, especially political news. And he suggests that Americans may need to find ways to disengage, maybe selectively, maybe completely from the news. Have you or has someone you know done this? Tell us after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We've heard the advice to turn off the news if you're feeling stressed which is not exactly an option for me, nor for my guest, Brookings fellow and author Shadi Hamid, who writes about the Middle East. But that didn't stop Hamid from exploring the research anyway that suggests a negative correlation between personal well-being and news consumption, particularly political news. And he argues that unless you need to follow politics for a living, it's, quote, unclear what the news, good or bad, actually does for you beyond making you aware of things you have no real control over. His recent essay for The Atlantic is called You're Better Off Not Knowing. Listeners, do you agree? Are we better off not knowing? Have you tried blocking out the news? How did it go? You can tell us by emailing forum at kqed.org, finding us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at KQED Forum, calling us at 866-733-6786. Shadi Hamid, welcome to Forum. Hi, Mina. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you. So recently, I've seen that you've been writing about foreign policy, the 20th anniversary of the Iraq War. You've been interviewed about AI, tweeting about Islamophobia and other matters. So have you actually experimented with limiting your news consumption? It's funny. It's funny you mentioned that. I guess it seems like I do follow a lot of different things. Um, That said, I do try to practice what I preach. So um, unless there's a really compelling reason for me to read a particular article or essay or to dive into a book, I will very self-consciously avoid doing so. So if I need to do something for my work because it's part of my job, then I have no choice, you know. Um, But I do, I am taking it pretty seriously, so much so that I'm not really aware of what's going on with the Trump indictment and I actually feel quite blessed to not really have a strong opinion one way or the other. 
And I think that's a very practical example of an issue that does not really benefit anyone to follow closely or know about because, you know, unless you're someone in the DO in the department of justice um, or you're a legal analyst, you're not going to really shape the outcome of that. And we don't know if it'll help Trump or hinder him. That just unpredictable because he's an unpredictable guy and you know politics is fluid so that's just one one instance of where like let's take a second look let's take a step back and do you really need to be reading x new article about that when you could probably be spending time uh with your kids or go to church or whatever people find meaningful in their own lives well, that's also a pretty provocative proposition to ignore the indictment news that I, I think I also want to put out to our listeners. Do you agree with that? Are you following the news of the reports of the impending Trump indictment? Are you looking away from that? Why or why not? And and we can get into that a little bit more after we've let our listeners had a have a chance to sort of ruminate on that question a little bit. I guess... What I'm wondering is, having done this, not having a strong opinion one way or the other about some major news events that you don't feel like you can control, what effect has that had on you? Short answer, um, somewhat happier. I feel better about it. It gives me more time to do things that I care about. And I don't freak out as much. And I don't, I, I, I'm spending less time on Twitter. I still, you know, I still spend some time on there. Um, but... There is something nice about not being primed for outrage because the danger is you read the headlines or you go on Twitter, you see what people are getting angry about and you want to and you feel like, oh, I want to be a part of this. I want to have an opinion. Um, I want because sometimes feeling outrage can be a thrilling thing. You feel like you have a cause and you know who your enemy is. And in some sense, we know we know we come to know ourselves by knowing what we're not. So this idea of opposition is always latent in us as human beings. So that's one of the, you know, one of the important practical mm -hmm. effects of not being online as much. And it's really about political news and commentary, because if you need to read up on, you know, the, your some favorite new recipe or how to unclog your drain those are actually like very useful tangible things so there is definitely a particular concern with political news consumption and as you mentioned there are a number of recent studies that i talk about in in the article that do show a significant link so it it really is making people sick and one of the studies um uh, shows that as many as 85 million Americans, according to the sample, um, suffer from what could be called politically induced fatigue, insomnia, and loss of temper. So these are actually like physical effects that you can experience because of, it's not just in your mind, it can also be in your body. Well, we have listeners weighing in. Anais writes, yes, I definitely take three days off a week and do a news blackout. Started in the Trump administration with his noonday, quote, news dispatches regarding COVID. I was getting too stressed out. And guess what? Makes not a whit of difference to me or to the world if I tune into the news every day. I can't recommend it enough. And then we have another listener who writes... 
Well, that attitude is what has driven us to the brink of democratic collapse. At the very least, people can't vote to protect their own interests if they don't know what's happening in the world around them. So I guess, well, first, let's just take a a step back for a moment. Why do we follow the news? Why, Why has it generally been seen as a value to be informed? It's a good question. You don't see any value in it? No, no, you know, I jest a little bit, but (laughs) um, it is, so it is something we take for granted. And I think- As a good, as you say, yeah. As a good, yeah. Yeah. That knowledge, information, the more, the better. These are things that, you know, many of us grew up with and were ingrained with us, you know, from when we were in elementary school. Um, I'm not, I'm also trying to be realistic here that, no one is going to be able to cut off their news consumption 100%. Um, So there's a kind of ideal, but we have to be practical. And what I would suggest and, you know, what I think is, is realistic for most people is to limit and just do less of it. Um, If there are things that are really important to you, you make a more conscious decision about that and you try to make priorities And I think it's important for people to kind of look inward and decide, well, um, is climate change really important to me? And I want to make sure that I follow that because that is a cause I want to be committed to. And maybe you want to, you know, participate in a local organization that focuses on those kinds of questions. Or do you want to focus on addressing abortion access? And that for that reason, you would want to know what the latest news is from different states that are introducing bans on abortion access fairly early. So um, it's more about deciding what is worth caring about and just being more discriminate and discerning. And, you know, life is ultimately about the choices we make with the finite amount of time that we have. And I mentioned, it's a reference to Oliver Berkman's book on this, that we only have 4,000 weeks on average to live. And that's usually a lot less than people assume. And that's helpful because, you know, we're going to die. And I don't mean to be morbid, but, you know, there are limits on what we can do and what we can consume. So it's more an argument against overconsumption. Although if you want to go news free, some people have tried it where they, um, and I I, uh, quote a, um, a writer, Sarah Heider, who did, go news free for six months she had some exceptions she would read books and she would read longer essays that were directly relevant to the work that she was doing but beyond that she avoided news articles short news articles breaking news in particular because breaking news is just telling you about something without any additional context and it just makes you nervous and jittery because you're like oh this is really bad so, you know, and she and she reports in that article that after six months of this mostly news free diet, she experienced significant improvements. And that doesn't mean that she didn't know what was going on around her because she did know the basics. She knew what she had to know, because you're also talking to friends, you're part of circles and you're going to hear information about what's going on through them and by being part of a community. Yeah. Um, and, and just the other point I would make uh, to your to what um, one of the questioners said, voting. Um, well, you can vote without being totally aware of most issues 
that are going on. Um, and, you know, we should question, does knowing more about what's going on necessarily make you better at choosing? I mean, we vote for a very complex set of reasons, and some of them have to do with emotion, whether we like a charismatic candidate, whether our political tribe is voting for the same person. The idea that we are just kind of information gatherers then, then, that then make rational decisions about the best person in specific policy terms, most people don't vote like that. And so this link between information and voting, I would I would question a little bit. Well, I guess what what I wanted to do was just lay out before we go into, you know, all the ways that that the news can be a stress inducing and difficult thing for us to to consume on on a regular basis is just to to think about what are the positives of news consumption? And I think you've touched on a couple of them, meaning the fact that it's useful social glue, for example. I think you talked uh, in, a, in a, a post that you wrote about how it was a little frustrating not to be able to engage about an article that everybody else was talking about <laughs> with a yeah. group of friends, for example. And, and I do think that there are people who feel compelled by a sense of a moral imperative to be informed or because they feel like it is part of being in a civil society. So, so just to lay those out so that, you know, we have some understanding for why we have held to this idea that being informed is better than, than not being informed and just getting a sense of whether or not you see some truth to that. Um, let me just invite listeners, since we're coming up on a break, again, if you want to join the conversation, let me remind you of ways you can reach us, 866-733-6786, email address forum at kqed.org, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, we're at KQED Forum. Do you feel like it is your duty, obligation, or moral responsibility to follow the news? Is your appetite for the news pretty insatiable, and, and why? Or do you find that you need to ignore it and have disengaged and are finding that it works for you? That's what we're talking about today with Shadi Hamid, who's written a book, who's written an article in The Atlantic that says you're better off not knowing. Stay with us. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. 
Is it okay, even advisable, not to follow the news? That's what we're exploring with my guest, Shadi Hamid, whose recent essay for The Atlantic is called You're Better Off Not Knowing. Hamid is senior fellow at the Brookings Institution. His latest book is The Problem of Democracy, America, the Middle East, and the Rise and Fall of an Idea. And you, our listeners, are joining the conversation with your thoughts about this very issue. David writes, I ration my news intake. Too much of it is not good. My doctor actually advised a news-free diet as anxiety is a real health concern. My therapist also pointed out that news organizations manipulate the news for maximum attention getting. They go for controversy, magnifying it where possible. I like forum and wait, wait, don't tell me, but all TV news should be once a week, in my opinion. It's an interesting point by David, because I have seen people say that it's better to turn out, tune out visual news or to really manage the visual news diet because of the impact that imagery can have on you. Have you heard this too as you were looking at the research, Shadi? Yeah, um, there's definitely particular concern about, for example, YouTube videos um, and the kind of 24-hour cable news, breaking news approach where it does emphasize this this um, negative bias. If it bleeds, it leads. That's oftentimes what you get in breaking news segments, and you're not always getting the context that you would get with KQ, K2ED Forum or <laughs> even... <Thanks>. Um, <laughs> and podcasts. I mean, podcasts are longer-form discussions that can be more useful precisely because they allow people to move away from two or three minute sound bites. Um, and that's part of the issue too, that when you have talking heads, however smart or intelligent they are, and I, you know, I, I do this when I go on TV too, there's only so much you can say and convey to a listener in three minutes. Yeah. So the more, the more we do long form journalism, the better, uh, you know, as a general rule. Well, Brooke writes, I don't watch any news anymore. I read the New York Times, the Contra Costa Times, and I listen to a lot of KQED. I feel that I'm pretty much up on what's going on in the world. I don't want to see many of the images that are shown in the media. I want to be able to unsee them. So again, underscoring sort of that jarring element that can add to the stress. Let me go to Andrew in San Francisco. Hi, Andrew. You're on. Hey, Mina. Hey. I'm, hey. I'm just so, um, this whole this segment has just been very resonating to me, especially, you know, just this morning, I was, I, my newsfeed is through the NPR uh, app, and then I'll, you know, go through local stations on television for my media and just news. And I found that, you know, this, it, it, it's really about rationing and really just training yourself on to, to know when to follow and when to detach. Um, you know, just say, for instance, I think the Trump situation was brought up um, you know, I, I think I, I got the gist of what's going on. And because there are so many digital platforms out there nowadays, just in your face with all this information, it kind of can get overwhelming and affect your mental health. And so I've learned to just take what I need, know what's going on, and then just, you know, just kind of detach myself from that. Because um, it's really about what you feel is, is important to you and maybe just to the people that you love and then just going from there. Yeah. Andrew, thanks for sharing that. And I'm glad this is this feels timely. Um, let me go to Lisa in San Carlos. Hi, Lisa, you're on. Hi there. Uh, this is a very interesting topic. And I feel like a lot of the problem is not so much the content as the form that it's provided in. And when somebody is following social media and these super quick intense, extreme bites of information, 
it's a completely different way of receiving news than if you are sitting down or whatever, standing up, reading an article, as was mentioned earlier in this in this show, taking your time to think about the issues and and you're less likely to to feel so extreme. Um, I think if, if if you're reading a newspaper, reading a magazine, you can still keep up on the topic, and but you're not stressed out by these, you know, immediate need for immediate response. And then the other thing I was going to say is, it's almost like the news providers have forgotten what they said a couple years ago as far as Trump goes, because this morning now there is story after story, even on the radio, about how Trump is, you know, going to be arrested and all these kind of things. And the more we feed him, the more he gets out of control. This is exactly what he wants. And so I just wish the media would stop reporting on him, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, because that's that's his food. And we need to just starve him and make him go away. But Um, Lisa, thank you for saying that. I think you're bringing up some interesting points about format structure, which also I think raises the question of function. Shadi, before the break, uh, you were referencing a piece by Sarah Hader. And one of the points that she makes is that the purpose of news isn't actually, especially, I guess, the kind of news that Lisa is talking about, isn't exactly to inform, but much more to keep you hooked, to keep you coming back, to keep you watching. Um, Do you think that that plays a role in why you feel like the news diet really needs uh, to be to be trimmed. Yeah, I think it's a really important point. I mean, there are market forces at work here. Um, different media outlets need to attract more eyeballs, more readers, and that can sometimes lead them to engage in hyperbole. And the whole kind of Trump coverage, I think, is emblematic of this. So Lisa is exactly right. Um, Trump does feed on that. And the whole phenomenon of Trumpism is in part about everyone else's obsession with every little thing that Trump does or doesn't do. And that's a that's a very um, tangible example where we can ask ourselves, did this actually make things better from 2016 to the current moment, the fact that the media, the let's say mainstream media outlets were just so focused on a particular set of issues. And I think, I think the jury's out and I would suggest that a lot of that ended up being negative and distracted attention from more substantive um, policy questions that maybe would have been more useful to look at. Um, so I think that this catastrophic bias as I refer to it in the piece, that everything is about to end, the world is about to fall apart, that Trump is going to destroy the republic. We have to be careful about that kind of way of looking at things. We can say that Trump is bad or dangerous without exaggerating the threat and you know, pun, you know, wondering about whether America will fall into civil war. So you'll find news analysis pieces and opinion pieces is America on the brink of civil war? I don't really see how those kinds of discussions are going to be helpful for the vast majority of Americans. 
maybe for those of us who love, you know, we you know, we might like debating or it's relevant to the stuff that we write on. It's an interesting question that we can speculate on. But a lot of this does end up being about speculation. It's about the horse race. It's about who's going to win. It's about um, measuring how bad things are at a particular moment. But moments change very quickly. Our politics are very fluid. So I think all of those are factors that we have to keep in mind when we're deciding what we want to focus on. And I'll also yeah. just mention, yeah. Sorry, I guess I just want to say, sure, there's definitely that rhetoric that has emerged around Trump coverage. But this is somebody who is a candidate for president in 2024, right? And so it's really important with regard to what happens to him, um, because somebody who is in that position or potentially could get that position will have a big impact on our lives as we learned from 2016. I mean, to the extent that um, a person in power can can dehumanize people who don't look like him and give cover to others to do the same, that may have a tangible effect on people's lives to the extent that paying attention to how people are responding to an indictment really matters. Yeah, well, so I guess the I guess the question in my mind is how many more articles can any one person read about how bad Trump is? I mean, I feel that I've read an, an endless iterations of the same basic case. Yeah, like, but that's you know, not what point... I what I mean is not that. I just mean following the indictment, mm, mm. right? Yeah, but ultimately, I mean, the the we we don't have any control over the the indictment itself is a very is somewhat technical. Even the char the charges that are being discussed are very specific and don't really have broader relevance to substantive policy issues. So it might be nice to keep up, but I don't really see what the benefit is in being aware of the exact status of the indictment process, if that makes sense. Um, I, I'm yeah. just not sure what I'm just not sure what can be gained from it. Well, this is Ari writes, the function of the news is to shine a light on otherwise hidden workings of powerful entities in order to make them accountable to the constituencies they're supposed to serve. Ironically, news organizations have been most effective in their mission at the local level where most reporting has all but disappeared. To Ari's earlier point there, I guess that's what I mean. If the indictment is an effort to hold power to account, and that's news's function, I think, a good press's function to do that, do you think holding power to account is something that affects people's lives? If you, if you follow the argument that you're saying that, if there's really nothing you can do about it, right, is it worth really paying attention to? You know, I think, I think Ari's right that in that case local news coverage is more important because the link is more direct there when we're talking about national level national level issues such as trump's legal status um you know ultimately i personally uh, have concerns about whether it's a great idea to try to prosecute trump in the lead up to 2024 and I don't want to really talk too much about that because I think it's it's it comes back to speculation, but um, that, that this could actually strengthen him. And there there has been, at least from what I've seen, yeah. 
Um, you know, there there is that, Dem you know, there are many Democrats who would prefer Trump to be the nominee over someone less crazy like DeSantis, because there's a better chance that Biden can beat um, a crazy um, Donald Trump than than someone like De DeSantis, who is more competent. So but on the question of holding power to account, yes, I think that's important. Um, but I would maybe push back on this idea. Well, my view is that life is not fundamentally about politics, that life is elsewhere. And the fact that people are so focused on knowing about all the bad things, there are there are terrible things that happen. There, there are any number of examples of corruption and abuse of power that we can find on the local, state, or national level. Um, but again, is that going to be beneficial for X American who might want to focus more of their time on the things that I mentioned in the piece? And I sum it up with, you know, family, friendship, faith, and community. So I think I'm making in some sense a broader philosophical argument, which I realize is going to be um, controversial among some that it is quite literally better not to know about all the abuses of power that are going on. And um, I know it's not fashionable to say that because everyone wants to show that they are doing whatever they can to make the world a better place. But I think there is a kind of wisdom to learning to let go and to say, well, we do the best we can on the things that we care about here and there, but most of our lives should not be centered around political debates and political issues. And it does suggest a better way to live and a different way to live. Well, you certainly have people who agree with you. Virginia writes, I'm frustrated that news organizations are not treating Trump as a minor news article. He doesn't care what kind of press he gets, only that he can consume as much oxygen as possible. He may be good for business to keep people riled up, but it drives me away because of the stress. Another listener, Liza, writes, oh, this is apropos as I'm embarking on a break from the news. This is very difficult because in my household, being aware of current events and politics was mandatory. We watched 60 Minutes on Sunday evening after reading the newspaper all day. Newsweek, Time, Life, the local paper were staples, as was watching the evening news, both local and national. Not consuming these things was considered irresponsible. But today is an onslaught because of social media and checking in every week or so is far healthier. I definitely sleep better and have a generally better day if I focus within on only my life. We also have other comments like Daniel, who writes, George Floyd is a good example of what ignorance and naivete contributed to our attitudes towards racial inequality. It was hard watching all that unfold, stress notwithstanding. I love my country, and I feel a moral responsibility to know as much as I can about these issues, which got us here, and what we can do about it. Catherine writes, Depends on what I have left to be brokenhearted about in response to our question about whether or not they try to take a break from the news. Catherine says, sometimes I bury my head like a flamingo in the sand. Sometimes I look at photos of genocide and read about tragedy like it was written in the Bible. And don't get me started on climate change terror. <laughs> Catherine's comment is reminding me a little bit, Shadi, of the point that you made about not catast... I don't know if I'm saying this correctly, but not making every news story into a a broader catastrophe or catastrophe driving <laughs> catastrophe yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. The news itself. Can you just talk about what you learned about that and how you also found that people on the left are a little more vulnerable to this? Yeah. So this is a really important point because not everyone is affected by political news in the same way. It's actually those Americans who are younger and more progressive who have these symptoms of despair and anxiety. And, you know, one one hypothesis and one that I lean towards is that the way progressives consume the news, but also promote stories among activists tends to be overly negative because part of the progressive mindset, and I'm not saying this as a criticism, I just think it's a reality, is to focus on how things can be better. And the only way to think about perpetual progress is to identify what's going wrong and what has to be changed. And that does create a certain kind of mentality where you're almost encouraged to take a particular issue and underestimate or overestimate how bad it's become. And I do mention some metrics that actually, if you look at progressive priorities, America is getting better. Um, That um, social spending on welfare programs has increased significantly over the past um, decade. Child poverty has been cut by uh, something like 59% over the last three decades. Um, unemployment is at all-time lows uh, since the 19, you know, relative to the 1950s, the last time it was it was um, quite this low of a number. So those are just examples of the things that don't get as much attention that are positive. And I think climate change is worth emphasizing here because in the piece I mentioned this kind, I thought, what I thought was a kind of crazy story where Ezra Klein of the New York Times in a column last year mentioned that in all of his public engagements with progressive-leaning audiences, the one question that he got the most was, should we have kids because of climate change? Now, I don't think this is a rational response to climate issues. The fact that people would actually change something so personal and throughout human history no it, it was very rare for people to purposely think about per, not having kids but because they're following the news in this very catastrophic way they're rethinking their entire mm. family structure wow you keep throwing out the bombs shot you have more after the break i mean again Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. 
Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking about the news, the toll constant news consumption can take on us and whether it might be better for our mental and emotional well-being and for our relationships to disengage, particularly from political news, which Shadi Hamid has suggested in his recent Atlantic piece called You're Better Off Not Knowing. Hamid is Senior Fellow at the Brookings Institution. And you, our listeners, are joining the conversation, sharing your thoughts, pushing back, agreeing, sharing experiences as well. And you can continue to do so at 866-733-6786 by emailing forum at kqed.org, finding us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at KQED Forum. Let me go next to Sandra in the East Bay. Hi, Sandra, you're on. Hi, Nina. Um, I'd like to say something else about uh, the discernment of the news we consume. And uh, one thing, yeah, totally agree with what the previous callers and your guests have said about um, visual images being, you know, more difficult um to watch and i mean psychiatric um uh studies show that we have a physical response in fight or flight regarding um and 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 even chemicals in our bodies change when we watch or hear or consume things that are disturbing that our body feels like it is to a lesser degree but actually happening to us so we know that and i and and likewise I don't watch every movie that might be even great because I know it'll affect me emotionally mm-hmm. in a way that I don't want to feel. But at the same time, our media, our news outlets are so important that they do get into great technical de- detail. I'm, I'm not talking about the, the you know, the, the fast news clips that we see on the evening news um, or, or 24 hour news, but um, in-depth reporting like NPR New York Times and, and, and other outlets like that, because I can scan through the headlines, see what matters to me, see what my values align, what I need to know. What do I need to know? Do I need to know more about this? Do I need to read a little bit more about this? And I, and I say, okay, oh, there was another shooting. Okay, I know what happened. I can't take that whole thing in. I don't want to watch the visuals. I don't want to think about it too much. Yeah. But I do want to follow the facts when those facts become things that, that affect public policy and um, and legal aspects and things that I might um, feel like I need to be more informed about. Yeah. Well, I like your point, Sandra. Well, I, the middle ground that you're trying to, to create, but also I think you're talking about the importance of listening to your body. And whenever we've had people on to talk about this, they have talked about the importance of Okay, if you do want to follow the news, great, but your body can be a good indicator about whether or not it would be a good time to take a break, like if you are feeling those emotional reactions. Um, let me go next to caller Michael in Tustin. Hi, Michael, you're on. Hello. Um, I, spend my, I, I spend my daily life with uh, an audio version of hard news in my ear, and um, if I I have to go out of my way to see the pictures, but I love hard news. Mm. And um, I go to sleep to the BBC, and um, I live for Trump bashing. It keeps me warm. <laughs> and that your body, I guess, is telling you that uh, you should keep my, doing my that. My fine. I, <laughs> like I said, um, all right. It's good for my body. I, I don't feel like like I'm I'm harmed by um by um hearing all the hard news. I like it from di- different sources, like the BBC, 
And um, that's got that's it. The yeah, way got I, it, Michael. Thank, live thank, my news. Thanks for calling in. Um, well, let me read another comment. Aaron tweets, ignoring the news feels like a privilege not all of us can indulge in. As a member of the LGBTQ plus community with a uterus, I found it necessary to follow the news in order to know if I will have access to health care I need, whether I can get married, etc. It's sort of the point that I was making earlier, um, Shadi, about just the the effect, the real and felt effect that that people can have on your life. Life, for example, politics policies can have on your life that you do need to follow. I do want to ask you about this point you also made in your piece where you talked about how, yes, it's important to to think about the stress that you're feeling as a result of following the news and making sure that that's not taking you away from really important and vital things in your life. But you also made the point that sometimes this pursuit of stress can actually make us a little complacent, meaning that we may not be as compelled to act. Do you want to talk a little bit about why you included that? Yeah, it's a great question because there is a trade-off. And I think there's an American tendency to think that we can have our cake and eat it, but we do have to make choices. So if we do consume less news, we're going to be we're going to be less angry and less moved to act to try to correct injustice. And that is actually a concern that's raised in a number of the study studies that I cite, where they say, yes, political awareness, too much of it might not be good for you. But political awareness is what leads to activism. It is in part what leads to improvements in public policy. So I want to I want to pose the question and say, well, is that I mean, there is a cost, but the cost could still be worth it on the individual level because there is an epidemic of despair, depression, and loneliness in America now. And from the new C- the recent CDC report that young American girls, teenage girls, one out of three have contemplated suicide. And when I first saw those numbers, I thought I was misreading it. And But we do see this disproportionately affecting young Americans who lean progressive. And that has public policy impacts. That's a health care crisis. So at some basic level, this is not about just do people have the privilege to ignore the news? It's about making individual lives better because a lot of young Americans can't seem to absorb all the negative things that they're being told. You know, when you are at a young age reminded on a regular basis that the world is, you know, sometimes a quite literal sense is about to end, is that a good environment to raise a teenager? I think that's a question that has to be asked. And yes, will it lead maybe to less activism? Perhaps, but maybe that's maybe that's the price that has to be paid. Well, I want to ask you uh, specifically about the essay you wrote right after You're Better Off Not Knowing, where you were looking at the 20th anniversary of the invasion of Iraq. And you talk about two things here. One, of course, being the fact that um, that 
the mainstream media actually didn't do a very good job of really thinking about and questioning and pushing back on the lead up to the invasion. And that, I think, is an argument in favor of the fact that consuming the news can actually make you less informed sometimes than than yep. more informed. Um, but on the other hand, um, aren't there moments like those when we're so blinded by the fog of war or when when we are getting this one message um, that we really do need to focus, pay attention, seek out lots of ways to understand what's happening. I mean, you yourself talked about seeking out new sources to try to get a grip on what was happening and, and um, different news sources from the main ones. Like, isn't that an argument or a time to really more fully engage? Yes, I have mixed feelings about that. I was very active in the anti-war movement and I went through a period of disillusion afterwards because I had dedicated months of my life organizing different events on campus. Um, and in the piece about the 20th anniversary, I mentioned my involvement in die-ins and tent-ins when I was at Georgetown, where we basically just had like a perpetual presence of a couple tents to protest the war. I mean, there was a naivety naivete about it to think that, you know, we could stop a war from happening when our policymakers had already made a decision and were just kind of going along with a pretense of diplomacy. But I do think, you know, going to war is an example of something that is important enough and potentially catastrophic enough to justify following it. Hmm. Um, now, um, and so in some sense, I'm just there's a, there's a selectivity issue and I, I don't want to give the impression that nothing matters, just that not everything we think matters, matters. Sure. On your point about, um, yeah, alternative news is important when you have one particular line that everyone is falling behind and falling, you know, falling into basically. And when the Bush administration was promoting the idea of weapons of mass destruction and links between Saddam Hussein and Al Qaeda, these things turned out to be untrue. And there was a, an active campaign of deception. This is one of the positive aspects of a democratized landscape and having something like Twitter where people can be exposed to alternatives. So I have mixed feelings on some of these things and I'm torn myself. And I think in some ways, Twitter is really bad for your health. But in other ways, if if I think about what the Iraq war would have looked like or the post 9-11 discourse, if we had Twitter then, we might have been better off. And someone, you know, some many of your listeners would have been better able to see the dangers of going to war because dissenting voices would have had more avenues. That was a time of gate gatekeepers where mainstream media outlets and broadcast news were still extremely influential and it was just hard to hear alternatives and thank god now we can actually hear alternatives now that means that we hear crazy things and conspiracy theories but it can also be helpful because it allows us to look at things from a different perspective and to challenge the conventional wisdom 
Well, the listener writes, I'm so grateful you are featuring this topic. For me, it has been awakening to realize that I'm completely powerless to stop any of the bad things that have happened, have happened, and will always happen. So first, radical acceptance of that. Second, my only power is to help people individually, which I do as a therapist, and I do that well. I have to protect my own peace by tuning out, which is actually the only choice in my control. Letitia writes, to encourage people to disengage from the news is to promote an uneducated public who allows people in power to act without surveillance, to assume that we have no power to enact change is absolutely absurd. We need to educate ourselves about political issues to be able to vote and organize in manners that promote change. And listener Mike writes, I wouldn't say the political news helps me feel better, but being ignorant about current events can't be an improvement. No, I can't control political events, but I can't control many events that are still very important to me and others. Contrary to your guess, I never had Twitter or Facebook, and I am much better for that. So yes, read the news, but don't waste your time arguing with disagreeable people on social media. Uh, my producer is telling me that I should remind people that we actually will probably cover the Trump indictment, <laughs> but we'll try to do it with uh, all the thoughtfulness that our listeners are putting out here. And let me remind them you are listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. You know, Shadi, underneath all of this, I can't help but feel like there's there's a, a reason that you are asking yourself this question right now about or exploring and examining whether or not um, we should consume the news and actually entertain the idea that we're better off not knowing. Is there something that has sparked this for you, this real examination for you? Oh, fascinating question. Um, yeah, so some of this is about some of my own personal reflections about what's important to me. You know, I, I recently turned 39 and, you know, it's sort of like the halfway point if we take kind of the average life expectancy, you know, not to be morbid about it. But um so what what does it mean to be a good person? What does it mean to live a meaningful life? And one of your pre one of the listeners made this point about voting and organizing. You can be a good person and live a meaningful life without voting or organizing. So let me just say that very clearly. This is not like, you know, um, let's think about it in religious terms. I don't think any of the major monotheistic faiths claim that not voting is a sin and that that will be a bad deed that is registered on the day of judgment. Like on a very basic level, I don't think that, you know, so what's more important is your own circle. It's a, the question is really about circles of influence. You can change people's lives in your own local community, your own kids, your own family, your parents. These are all things that we have much more personal um, impact on. And there is a danger of losing sight of what's right in front of us, the people that we love and the communities that we're part of. That is really where a lot of tangible change can happen. And you can actually see how lives are changed around you. So I think I've just been thinking more about things on that smaller scale. And I think I want to live my life on a smaller scale going huh. forward. Yeah. It, that's such an interesting, it's such an interesting point. Let me go to Kim in Berkeley. Hi, Kim. Thanks for waiting. You're on. Hi, thank you. I really appreciate this topic. Um, 
And I think kind of to your point about influencing your social circles and on a micro level, I guess I'm curious in your research if you address kind of doubling down on your own viewpoint, because if you're going to be selective in what news you consume and avoiding those that conflict with your existing beliefs, um, how does how does that play into your research and how can you actively engage with kind of a diverse circle of friends, even on the micro level, if you are only consuming news that may not challenge your view of things? Mm, Thank you. Thanks. Shadi? So that's a that is a great question because there is there isn't just catastrophic bias. There's also something called confirmation bias that we seek out news sources and commentary that confirms and justifies the things that we already believed. So we end up believing them more intensely and not being open to alternative perspectives. And that's one reason, you know, a, a previous listener mentioned how Trump bashing makes him warm. And I, you know, that, that, that's great. But at the same time, if we're so focused on bashing Trump, it's going to be harder for us to, to have friends who are Republicans because most Republicans at least still have some sympathy towards Donald Trump. So if we make that a dividing line in terms of our own family members, our friends, and we say, we're not going to be on the same table as you, we're not going to see you at the holidays or whatever else it might be, then we're putting ourselves in a bubble where we're not hearing other perspectives. Not to say that those other perspectives are legitimate, but it is important to understand why the people you disagree with believe what they believe and to listen to them. Well, I, I think one of the takeaways for me, Shadi, at the very least, is that um, that that news has a function not just to help inform a public or to hold power to account, but in some ways also to connect and inspire empathy, which is a precursor to connecting by exposing people to people outside their own experiences. And if people want to tune out, I just take it as a challenge to do to do the news better. <laughs> anyway, I thank you so much for, for just going through this process of thinking out loud with me today on this issue. <laughs> it was my pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Thanks so much, Mina, for having me. Again, Shadi Hamid is a contributing writer to The Atlantic if you want to check out the piece you're better off knowing, a senior fellow at the Brookings Institution. Thank you, listeners, for your thoughts and questions and experiences. Thank you, Susie Britton, for producing today's segment. You've been listening to Forum. I'm Mina King. Well, there's been another warning. Oh, there's been another fight. There's a scandal going on. Some reporters stumbled on. Funds for the production of KQED's Forum are provided by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, the Germanicos Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. 
We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.